0: This is the Hope Not Nope podcast,
1: where we answer your questions and share inspirational stories to fill your soul with hope.
0: Our mission is to empower hope to those who have been plagued by nope.
1: I'm Dr. Dylan Caswell.
0: And I'm Brandy.
1: And we're here to bring you out of the nope and into hope.
0: Welcome to the Hope Not Nope podcast. We are so excited to be here and thrilled that you're tuning in. At the beginning of every podcast, we share our hope stories. And I am so excited to share my hope story because I was recently sitting down with a friend. And this friend and her husband has read Hope Not Nope, our book. And they were going through a challenge recently. And I didn't know all the details of the challenge, but she was just saying... Um, you know, there was like some family, family, like extended family tr- struggles and her husband just in the middle of the conversation goes, that's the biggest hope, not nope, lie of them all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, I was so encouraged when she said that. Cause I was like, yes, they get it. <laughs> um, but I wanted to share that because I am just so inspired and encouraged by the hope community, right? Like we have a lot of our friends and our family who have read the book and have supported, but it, it's growing past that. You know, people that we don't know are reading, hope not nope, are tuning into this podcast, and our our hope is that they have moments like that. Like our friend who read the book was inspired, and basically was like, this person isn't living the like methodology of hope not nope, mm-hmm. and so. It's a lie, like it's a lie. They need to be living the methodology of hope not nope, even though the person doesn't know hope not nope. um But I don't know. I was just I was so encouraged by my friend when she was telling this story because I'm like, I have moments like that, but I think that like I have moments like that because I'm I'm part of hope not nope, and I'm like <laughs> le- leading the charge with Dylan. But to hear that like my friend's husband was like that's the biggest hope not nope lie of them all and like wants people to live this methodology it was just it was so encouraging
1: (laughs) oh i'm learning that it's it's becoming this verb or methodology like so many people have come up to us now and and they said oh i hope not noped this situation and i was just like wow i never thought that would be a, a thing that, that, that's mm-hmm. sad, but it's like, it makes me so excited. Right. And so just warm that, that people are yeah. saying that. Like
0: my friend was lifting and she was like, oh, I can't, I can't do this lift. And then she's like, no, I'm gonna hope not nope this. I can oh. do this lift. And then she did the lift. So it's ex- like, you're right. People are hope not noping.
1: <laughs> and, and it's amazing. Cause it's like pulling back the cover from behind the scenes. You know, we, we get the data from the book company of the, the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, excited to open it up. And, and to me and to us, it's not, it's not about how many copies are sold because of the money that's earned back from it. Because the reality is like, if you want to make a profit, go into the pizza business, not into the book business. <laughs> but you know, the amount of copies that are sold is letting us know that the hope not note message is, is getting out there. Mm-hmm. And the message behind that is that you're doing what you were meant to be doing while you're here. Mm -hmm. and and that is one of the greatest feelings and it took a book 22 chapters an intro a prologue a forward and a conclusion to get that message through and so it makes me so happy that people are getting but but i opened it up and and the first quarter zero (laughs) because they sent us the one from the first quarter that it wasn't available (laughs) for sale (laughs) and i remember opening it and first being a little discouraged Mm -hmm. and disappointed of like oh man, i put my life's work into this message and no one's receiving it. And, and no, the dates were just wrong. Yeah. So to look further into it. No, like this this book is getting out, this message is getting out to people around the world. And, yeah. and that just makes me really excited that, that like it's it's happening. It's, yeah. it's going there. But I guess it's time for my hope story. Yes,
0: it is. <laughs>
1: so my hope story, episode 13, it makes me think of Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. American Underdog Story or Underdog Story. I forget the exact title of the movie, but we talk about it a little bit in the book. Just phenomenal story. And, yeah. and that's all I'm going to say about that is just Kurt Warner number 13, phenomenal story. <laughs> Go and watch that movie. That, just phenomenal mm-hmm. to, to keep persevering. But what my hope story is today on episode 13 is that this is actually the week that we're entering into marriage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A few days from now, we will be saying our vows and, and our ideas. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited about that. And I wanted to say that on here because when we come back, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of stories from our wedding, Mm -hmm. from the honeymoon and just bringing people to hope through this. But what I want to do with my hope story is bring the single people out there to some hope Mm. because we both know that it can be a struggle and Brandy and I were both at points in our lives that we were completely comfortable and okay with being not in a relationship our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Like, not her and I together, but just like in our individual past before we had met each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was just, you know... Yeah, I, I don't I don't need a relationship to be happy. Like, I have community. I don't need this relationship. And for me, I was like... I'm just going to give myself to my work. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to go for that. But in that time, I also realized that a lot of my past relationships, they didn't work out because they weren't brandy. Mm-hmm. But they also didn't work out because I, I wasn't healed. So, you know, we always have this choice to make. And I love this quote that we're always one decision away from really changing our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and mine was to sit down and, and look myself in the mirror and to ask myself, are you okay? Are, are you, are you good? And I remember looking into the mirror and all I saw was this scared little boy that just really needed a hug and, and needed to be picked up. I was not expecting that. I was not thinking that I figured I was going to see this guy. Yeah, you're out here. You're doing this thing. You're great. No, I saw this scared little boy. And I realized at that point, man, I, I have some healing to do. Mm-hmm. And so I started healing And as I started healing and and working on myself, is then when Brandy was brought into my life. Mm -hmm. And and then the same thing happened for Brandy on her side. Like she started saying, I'm really going to take care of myself. When I started doing that, I had the realization that no, the idea of me being single the rest of my life was coming from a place of trauma, was coming from a place of not being healed. Mm-hmm. and was coming from, from not a healthy place
0: not being open not being
1: open yeah and so when I worked on myself and became healthier that's when I realized no that's not the truth like I used to joke with my mom every parent they always want more grandbabies <laughs> they, more grandbabies when you're getting married when you're having grandbabies and I used to joke around that yeah, mom will have two girls. We'll call her Lamborghini and the other one Ferrari. You can watch them when you want. You can wash them anytime that you want, but that's going to be your grandkids because I'm not getting into a long-term relationship. Just It just hasn't worked out for me. Mm-hmm. So just that's what we're getting. And then realize like, no, I want to be a husband. I want to be a father. I want to have a family, but I never thought the person existed out there for me. And so I was just like, eh, it's, it's a pipe dream. But I just kept working on myself, working on myself. And and here we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, again, this is coming from a guy who thought that his children and the grandkids that he was gifting to his family was going to be two expensive, fancy cars. <laughs> and now I'm marrying this woman that I'd never thought existed. Mm-hmm. And so you may be in that season or that situation where you feel ready for a relationship, but the person that you're dreaming of or the person that you think that is out there for you doesn't exist and they do they they do exist the block may be that you need to work on yourself before you get to meet that person Mm -hmm. we joke around if brandy met me when i was in college i don't think this would have worked (laughs) out if i met brandy before her healing i'm not sure this would have worked out Mm -hmm. but we met each other at a time that we both were in a really healthy place Mm -hmm. that a relationship really became almost like a vitamin like I'm getting all the nutrients, I'm getting all the things that I need, I'm happy, but taking this vitamin is just that little extra that makes my day so much better. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's what this is. So if you're single and you're struggling, know that there is that person out there for you. Put some work into yourself at first. Don't force it. We were at a friend's wedding and a, another friend was saying that the person that they were with, they were like 97% there. Mm-hmm. They're like 97% the right person. I remember Brandy going, why settle? Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, whoa, <laughs> all right. What are you going to hope not noper? <laughs> and, and, and Brandy goes, no, like if you've already got to the 97%, why not get that extra 3%? Mm-hmm. Like why not get everything that you deserve
2: yeah.
1: in that? And I remember my godfather being like, no, I couldn't agree more with that. Mm-hmm. Like there is that 100% person out there for you. Do not settle for this i think so many times you see people settling and and those are relationships we see that they're kind of coexisting together mm-hmm. but they're not really happy mm-hmm. together and, and and granted like we have a long way to go but mm-hmm. my my hope is that we don't just coexist together that we're happy together and yeah. doing these things we've gotten amazing advice we've gotten some terrible advice <laughs> we've gotten some amazing advice that we decided to yeah. keep but that's my hope story. Kurt Warner making it to the NFL and, and us making it to marriage.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, too, one thing that you um, mentioned was that, you know, maybe maybe you need to work on some healing. But something that you also said that you forgot to mention is that maybe you need to be patient because that other person is healing. Yeah. And I think of, you know, in our lives, maybe Dylan was ready six, eight months prior to us meeting but maybe I wasn't at the time, you know, and, and I think there's a level of patience that we need to have of like, okay, I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to surrender whoever that person is for me down the road. And I'm going to surrender them now because I'm hoping that they're, they're working on themselves, you know, And, and they're, they're growing. And I think, um, You know, we, it's funny, we both prayed and we both made a list of like, this is, this is what we want in a person. And I, I don't think that's cliche or silly. I think that that's important to have standards, but then also leaving that list open to, you know, being completely mind blown because I look at my list and I like completely undershot. Like I thought, I thought that this list was like, this was, this was what I needed. This was it. In anything I didn't even think that there was a something more I thought I wrote the perfect person for me when in reality I look at the list and I'm like Dylan is literally all these things times like quadruple bajillion numbers because like he he really is like who I'm destined to be with and you completely like that list just it's important but like you outshine it and so (laughs) i just appreciate like i i gave that get that list to god and then god just like completely blew my mind but like you needed time to heal separately from me and now when we're in a partnership and as we get married like there's gonna be times where we're struggling like healing is not this thing that happens and then it's over like our entire lives we're continuing to heal and so now we get to heal together and we get to really grow together um In that, And so it's exciting. I'm excited to be your wife.
1: Yeah. Mm. And and my list started very simple. Italian, (laughs) loves football and can throw a football. And it was one of our early on dates, but we went to the park and I ran a corner route and Brandy hit me with this dime, like perfect spiral (laughs) right over my shoulder. And like at that moment, I was like, this is it. But I need to be patient because this is only like our second or third date. But like this this is the one but then everything else that i was was hoping for um like you said it's that times infinity Mm -hmm. of of who you are as a person and i used to get so frustrated when people would give me the advice because you you meet an older couple we've been married 50 years 60 years like how like how did you meet that person that you decided that like I'm spending the rest of my life with this person. And I get the advice at the time that I thought was stupid of when you know, you know. And I used to get so frustrated of like, oh, great. Like, no, there's got to be an algorithm. There's got to be something more to this. And, and, And some people on the other side will say like, no, no, no. It's just you're making a decision that you're going to work together as a partnership, which is partly true. But I do believe that that person that is for you does exist mm-hmm. and and was made for you to enter into that partnership.
0: Well, I think the ninety-seven percent is the one you're going to like work with, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like when you know you know, and you're going to work with them. That's the hundred percent that right. we're fortunate that we've gotten. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. So now I'm the person giving the people advice. How do you know that she's the one? when you know you know she hit me with a, with
0: a nice throw she with a football spiral right over
1: the shoulder it was perfect but yeah yeah, yeah. so that's that's my hope story i'm just I like excited to do this story. with you yeah.
0: sweet <laughs> okay well we'll not be mushy anymore we'll hop into the questions but i love these hope stories so um our first question is from someone named thomas and they ask what is the difference between a placebo and a nocebo
1: Thomas, great question. Thank you for submitting that. We've talked a little bit before on, I forget what episode it was, but we're talking a little bit about the placebo effect and what placebo means when when we get down to the Greek and the root words of it is, I shall please. Beautiful, beautiful word to say, beautiful meaning behind it. We tend to think of a placebo as a bad thing. It's all in my head. What a placebo is saying is that wow, your mindset and your faith in that thing was so powerful that it actually created a physiological response that was equivalent or greater to the actual response that was created from the chemical change mm-hmm. or environmental change, whatever it may be. That's a beautiful thing. And other countries have actually started using placebos in a way to help people heal, knowing that we can give this person this sugar pill and it will create the positive effect without the side effects happening. So more to come out on that as as that evolves because there's a thing of transparency that needs to happen with it. But I'm interested to see the overseas data of where where it goes. But it's interesting. So a placebo is something that creates a positive effect in the sense of it gets you closer to healing, whatever that may be. It could be a medication. It could be decreasing pain. It could, whatever it may be, but it's something that moves you positively towards the goal Mm -hmm. that you had in mind. A nocebo is now the opposite of that. It's still the same in the sense of it's your belief and mindset associated with that particular treatment or event. But instead of it being a positive outcome that gets you closer to the healing goal that you had or your health goal that you had, it actually moves you the other direction. It's a harmful effect. An example I can give of this one is when someone is told that their, for example, their back pain is due to their sacroiliac joint being out of place. And that when they go to do a particular movement, that this thing could now create a shift that creates our side joint being out of place. So that person may have an effect from the treatment being done, but now it's harmful because they're afraid of a particular movement or participating in society in certain ways, because of that, this thing, this education could now create this other thing from happening, which is now harmful. So because they're not moving, other diseases can now be caused from this that now becomes a nocebo. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that? Okay.
0: Yeah. And so it, it's basically like placebo can have a positive impact where nocebos typically have more of a negative impact. Yeah. And I think the negative impact often is fear mm-hmm. that then fear creates more fear, which then creates more fear. Yeah. And I think with what we're doing, our goal is that. We're helping people become fearless or using fear to empower them with hope, right? Getting them out of the fear, out of the nope and into the hope. And so, yeah.
1: yeah, And, and most coaches would typically say that defense wins championships. And so we need to work on our defense. And we learned in the GLS, yeah, defense, defense is great.
0: It's important. It's
1: important. hmm but offense, you need points on the board. Yeah. You need points on the board if you want to win the Super Bowl or championship, whatever it may be. You need defense, but you you need to put points on the board. And part of the fear is that we've become so defensive mm. in our treatments that I I don't I never want to blame providers. I think providers are doing the best that they can with the information that they have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To that, there's always outliers. There are snakes in the field that are very, very well informed and are intentionally offering these treatments or these tests that do create harm and, and they're doing it because of the money that that's coming in. And yes, that that is negligence and, and, and it's fraud mm. and it's it's a terrible thing, but it's happening. And for us to act like it's not happening, well, we wouldn't be doing our mission justice because mm-hmm. these are the people that are getting plagued by NOPE more and more because what they thought was a trusted source is now leading them down a path of nocebo's, which is creating more harm and getting them further away from the person that they were intended to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: With that being said, there are some providers that maybe they're not as informed; they're not up to date on the research. They've kind of found their practice pattern, and they're just sticking with with it. And, and that's that's a hard that's a hard balance because if you're a provider, you took an oath to do no harm. Mm -hmm. A nocebo is creating harm, so by you not staying up to date, you're actually creating harm. Mm -hmm. And and I can think of multiple examples of of where this is happening, and we won't go into all of them. But the way that you can spot this is by the language that's being used behind it. A lot of these things are dressed up behind fancy words and fancy terms that the person is saying on repeat, over and over and over again. We're seeing it, again, not just in healthcare, but in the wellness field mm-hmm. as, as well. Quick example, sorry going down this path, but okay. quick example is this, this idea of an ionic foot bath.
2: Like mm-hmm. you have
1: foot pain or you have toxins in your body. So you're going to get this foot bath that's going to clear out these toxins and restore your health. It's working on this system and it's creating this chemical compound and all this. And you put your foot in this ionic foot bath and as you're in it, the water turns from white to brown as the quote unquote toxins come out. People are paying to go get this treatment done, the special foot bath is going to create this healing response and all these things. Well, if you run the ionic foot bath without having your feet in it, it still turns brown. It's not toxins coming out of your body, it's a reaction that's happening from the machine that's being put into the water through the process of electrolysis that's creating the brown water. Mm-hmm. But people are being told that it's the toxins that are coming out of their skin, which is now harmful, because now instead of them spending time and money on a treatment that would get them closer to where they want to be, they're spending on something that's not actually happening. So that could be a nocebo in the sense of the harm is that you're taking the time away from them that they they could put into whatever they need for their healing. That probably isn't this ionic foot bath, mm-hmm. and if they're putting their trust in this ionic foot bath. I would argue that there's something deeper that is really being missed, that, that they're kind of being scammed of this thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That being said, science doesn't have all of the answers, The science has a lot of the answers. Science doesn't tell us everything to do, but it tells us what not to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we, we really have to be careful. So how do you point out an nocebo? It's this thing that's dressed up behind all these fancy words. Drink this drink. It's going to increase your mitochondrial activity to create more ATP. That's going to give you better energy than you've ever had in your life before. No, no, it's not. It is a salt water tablet. It's you put a little bit of teaspoon of salt in your water. You're telling me that's going to increase your mitochondrial mitochondrial activity? No. You know what is going to do that? Getting a good night's sleep, getting enough calories, being purposeful in your in your next day, like those, those things, yeah. right? So. It's tough to kind of pick out like what's a placebo, what's a nocebo. Nocebo, it's it's harmful. It's make sure that you keep coming back for this thing. Make sure you avoid these things. Make sure you never, never, ever lift over 20 pounds again ever in your life. Versus saying, hey, yeah, you know what, you you had this thing done. Maybe for the short term, we should be cautious with how much you're lifting. Let's. Let's kind of reference that range to 20 pounds for the next couple weeks. Mm -hmm. As things start to get better, let's start to progress that. We'll start to progress that. So in the words that we use, we can create the placebo or the nocebo.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to be said about like extremism. Mm -hmm. Like if you're extremism, that's not freeing, right? Like if you're using or if you're being told language that is very extreme and it doesn't free you as a person to be who you're meant to be to live a fulfilling life to live a life of purpose that's probably a nocebo right Mm -hmm. like it's extreme language that's limiting you and chaining you up and you deserve better than that Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah
0: so it's a simple way to put it i guess (laughs) simple
1: way to put it it's a very complex science science answer i hope that demonstrates some examples that, that are available
0: yeah well, thank you for the question, Thomas. Our second question is from a listener named Sydney, and she asks, how do I become more emotionally well?
1: Sydney, thank you for that question. That's a very simple but very loaded loaded question mm-hmm. because we are, we are emotional beings. Now, with that being said, there is this myth that there's 32 to 36 to 40 different emotional states when the research shows us that in reality we actually only have four. Mm. emotional states and 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 those are joy sadness fast approaching danger and slow approaching danger so what does fast approaching danger look like that's like the um the surprise like someone jumps out at you and scares you that's a surprise Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um and then the slow approaching danger would be more of like uh think of a gaze like a uh, almost like a frustrated facial expression something that's off in the distance it might be coming near you and you're starting to watch this thing like "Mm, i don't know if i trust you Mm. So those are our four emotional states. And from those four states, everything else is a derivative of those four. The reason I say that is because it can be intimidating to go, I want to improve my emotional health. But I have 32 different emotions that I need to manage. Mm
2: -hmm. No,
1: you have four different emotions that that you get to manage. Think of our lives if we didn't have emotion. Mm. Think of our lives if you never had a tear of joy or a tear of sadness I'd ask like what's what's the point? Like yeah, what's what's the point of us being here if we didn't have emotions? And it's interesting because a lot of times the emotion too is the perspective that's put with it mm-hmm. right? If I showed you a picture of a person crying I just showed you the picture and I said Brandy what's what's this person doing? They're crying why are they crying? oh, I don't know, maybe they just received really sad news. Maybe they lost a family member or a pet or or something along those lines. And say, well, actually, they were just told a really, really funny joke. (laughs) Right? So the same response happened, but our consciousness changed why it happened Mm -hmm. for for that person. So our emotions are are a beautiful thing, and and we should experience them. And I think that's where I'm going with this, is that emotions come, and then they go. Mm -hmm. So if you want to improve your emotional health, it's not about shutting down emotions. It's the ability to choose that I can have a response to this
2: mm-hmm.
1: versus a reaction. And when we choose to have the response, we then allow ourselves to go, wow, this emotion is, emotion is a guest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's coming and then it's leaving. And, and it's okay for us to sit in that for a little bit and decide, how long do we want this guest? Mm-hmm. It's, it's your house. You can have your guest there for a month, two months, two hours, a week, it, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. You get to decide, how long do I wanna sit with that emotion? If it's a happier emotion, you probably wanna sit with that longer yeah. than with a fear-based emotion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the emotional health is choosing that response versus reaction, and then having the, the reality that wow, our perspective on emotion changes how we interact with the emotions and that we should have emotions and, and we should let them come and then we should just let them go.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love the analogy of your emotions being a guest because as you were talking, the thing that came up for me was your emotions aren't your identity. Yeah. I, I am a pretty emotional person, I would say. Um, like I if I do the, like, Myers-Briggs testing, right, and personality test, whatever it's called, I test an F, which <laughs> is feelings. Like, mm-hmm. I, I respond in my feelings. I don't respond by logically thinking. Um, and that's just more of, like, a nature, but that doesn't mean that I can't grow, right? But for years, I was like, no, I'm a feeler. I'm a feeler. I, I have emotions. I need to feel all these emotions. But then it almost became my identity, where this analogy of, like, no, it, it's, it's a guest. And um i watched this movie inside out you've seen it right yeah. And there's these emotions there's there's joy and there's anger and there's sadness and all these things and i remember years ago when i watched it everyone was like oh brandy you're anger you're anger and i'm like oh okay i'm anger and i just like took on that like identity that my nature is to naturally respond with an anger response mm-hmm. right no, that doesn't have to be the case. Like, I can respond with joy. I can respond with sadness and all these things. And so there was a level of healing I had to go through. Um, and there was a level of acknowledging, like, emotions are good. There, there was a time in my life where I was like, emotions are bad. And I was like, a numb. Like, I, I went from, like, super emotional to I'm anger to now I have to numb everything. And and now I just feel free mm-hmm. to, like, I let myself have the emotions. They're my guest whenever they come. And then they can leave and it's okay. And I, I wanna be sensitive because I just I'm thinking of one of my friends right now and she is such an emotional person. Like she probably more would identify with the 32, 67, 150 emotion options versus four mm-hmm. because the the free spirit that she has, she very much is like, oh, but it doesn't the joy doesn't explain it enough I, I need I need joy but I also need awe mm-hmm. and I need I need to marvel like I feel the emotion of marveling like mm-hmm. things like that and and I I want to say yes like there is a level of like you might need other words to describe how you're feeling and that's not a bad thing but that doesn't make it a, a new emotion it, it's just another word to kind of describe under that the category of the four and I don't I don't think that's a bad thing I think it's a good thing to have other words because language is so powerful actually Brene Brown talks about this in one of her books that I, I watched an interview on it but she says like we don't want to limit emotion because our language is powerful and our language describes mm-hmm. all of these things but Coming back to my original point, just because you have these hundreds of words to describe how you're feeling, if they really do come down to these these four feelings and emotions, that's great. All of it's great, but it's not your identity. It's not who you are. Who you are is a gift. Who you are is... I could just go off on a rant of who you are because you're so good your emotions don't dictate that if you're struggling you had someone pass away you're sad you do not become sadness like that is not your identity and I think in a world where identity is a hot topic and all the things the biggest thing I want people to know is you are who you are your emotions help but they're 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 not who you are
1: yeah I I couldn't agree more and I think If you want the complexity, Brene Brown provides that Yeah. with that. Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett brings it back to how emotions are created Mm -hmm. in in her book. And then Jimmy Valvano, when we get the Jimmy V week, when college basketball starts off, he gives (laughs) us the simple explanations of really how we should live each day with our emotions. So Mm -hmm. as that comes up in the fall, uh, fall to winter time, I highly recommend just, or you can put it up on YouTube, pull up Jimmy Valvano. Jimmy Valvano's speech and that, just the Epsi
0: speech. The right? speech and yeah. just
1: listen to really how we should live our days. Mm-hmm. The sad part is we typically don't learn that until it's too late, mm-hmm. until we have diagnoses that limit how long we're gonna be here or something tragic happens. But really every day there's stuff to be joyful about. Mm-hmm. There's stuff to that can make you sad. There's mm-hmm. stuff that can can create a little bit of fear in you but you get to make that choice of not being limited by that fear. Yeah. So it's the beautiful thing with emotional health is is making that choice and I I would go on to say that you know there we do want to put some constraints on it but mm-hmm. there are times to lean into the emotion and times not. That's the ability of choosing to respond versus react. Yes. Like if we're having a meeting <laughs> and a thought comes up in my head that is a sad thought that maybe isn't on topic with the meeting, I may not want to, in the middle of that meeting, ball my eyes out. Right. And, and especially if it's a, like a partnership type meeting. Yeah. And they're like, "Why are you crying about your dog? Like, what? How do we get there?" But it may be, you know what? Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna sweep it under the rug, but I'm gonna keep that on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in a safe area. And that's when I'm going to bring that emotion back and that's when I'm going to decide to let it in,
2: mm-hmm.
1: experience it and then let it go. Yeah. So there, there is the a transparency. There is a boundaries that, that mm-hmm. comes up with that. And, yeah. and I think especially with fear and with anger, that's a big one yeah. you know, of like, it's okay to be fearful. It's okay to have anger, but just be careful when you decide that you want to experience that emotion that it's not in the heat of the moment. Because once you say something, As much as you apologize, you can't take it back. Right. So it's better to just bite your tongue. There's no winning an argument. Mm -hmm. Like, bite it. Let yourself get to a safe place. Look back on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that as it comes and and it goes, that your whole perspective on that situation will change.
0: Yeah. And Sydney, I I love this question too, because it makes me wonder, are you pursuing physical in mental and spiritual health already but the thing you're struggling with might be emotional health mm-hmm. because I, I've been there you know I yeah. think we all have seasons where maybe we're working out and we're feeling physically well we're, eat, we're eating well and like great but then our emotional health is just struggling right and I think our goal and our hope is that we are we are well, like mm-hmm. all of those things we become, we can become well in all of those areas. And, and so Sydney, I love this question because I, I love that you're pursuing wellness, like yeah. in, in whole really wholeness and who you're designed to be and who you're meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, going into our last question for today's episode is from a listener named Julia. And she asks, Ooh, I love this question. <laughs> <laughs> she asks, what is one thing you wish you could change about healthcare? Wow. But she says only one.
1: But only one so thing. So you have
0: to choose just one thing.
1: <laughs> wow. So I'm I'm going to answer it. I also want you to think on from a consumer standpoint or a patient standpoint, yeah. what's the one thing that you would change about it? Let me see. Let me see if I can give this... One answer of the one thing mm-hmm. that I, could I think change. I have an
0: answer. If you'd want to think,
1: I think I'll start, okay. and then we'll we'll see where it goes. All
0: right. <laughs> I think
1: the one thing that I would change is how providers are paid.
2: Mm.
1: And I, the reason I was struggling to say that is because I I don't think it's the root of the problem, but I think it's a big driver mm. of it. And if we can change the driver, we have a better potential to get to the root. And I think that's like our mission with Hope Not Nope is to go to the people. Mm -hmm. Because to change the system, there's so many rules that are in place just to have rules. There's so many politics, there's so many things that you need to do to change a system. Mm -hmm. But if we as consumers, we the people, are asking for change and demanding change, that's what's gonna spark this thing to, to take off. So the reason I would change the way that providers are paid is because that dictates how they're going to treat.
2: Mm.
1: Not everybody, but as a whole, when we look at healthcare as a whole, that that's the biggest thing, is that providers and companies, they're paid for risky procedures. They're paid for imaging. And then they're paid, they get some kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies, depending on what they prescribe. Mm -hmm. that that's what's driving these things. If you want to see what's happening, follow the paper trail. Big pharma (laughs) runs this country, like Mm -hmm. follow that. It'll it'll show you the path. But if we could change where the payment system to providers and to companies was based on outcomes and the quality Mm -hmm. of the treatment, I think that would get us back to a healthcare system in which our option is to truly care Yeah. For one another. So again, I don't think it's the root, but I think by using this to change the driver, it would then allow us to get to the root because I think then providers would start reflecting on, huh, why was I doing so many MRIs? Mm -hmm. Why was I offering the surgery before I offering them lifestyle changes or behavioral patterns? And again, this was how do you change the healthcare system, not the people interacting with the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So to change the system... I hate to say it but it's changing the paper trail
0: mm-hmm. wow that's great <laughs> coming from more of like a provider standpoint from that's provider it's fair standpoint. i think yeah. that's a fair thing
1: yeah because I, I do think again that there's so many great providers out there that get into this with the right heart that yeah. they want to serve people they want to be there for people and they go great but to do that you have to keep the lights on mm-hmm. and then they're Almost brainwashed that the only way to do it is through this way. Yeah, and then to work outside of the system, there's so many obstacles. There's mm-hmm. so many obstacles that we've had to face to yeah. see the people that that we see, and so it can be done, mm-hmm. but you have to be so different to do it. It makes it so hard for the providers to do it. So instead, they they kind of lock into the fear of mm-hmm. well, we got to keep the lights on. I got to provide. I got to pay off all this debt. I need to get a house. I need to, I need to do all these things that. You just kind of get into the into the day to day to provide, and you forget that like, oh man, did I did I truly serve that person right. today, or did I serve the system? And mm-hmm. oftentimes, when we serve the system, we're not serving the people.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, I I think of my first response came back to care too, like as someone going into a doctor's office or maybe even an ER or whatever, like. I, I want to feel cared for. And I, I will say that out of every experience I've had, there's been two, I'll, I'll say five just to be generous, but I think five is very generous and probably not true. <laughs> I would say two or three um, people who I have walked in and immediately felt cared for. And so my, my brain goes to like, okay, how can we have better interpersonal um, communication in like classes, right? Like they should have interpersonal classes that they have to go to. They should have hospitality classes that providers, people working in these offices that they need to be part of. Um, I'm, I'm not in this world, right? So I know there's continuing ed courses that people have to take, but like are those ever intentional about like hospitality or care or anything like that? So that's what my mind went to immediately. And then the other thing would be like making these people go on retreat once a year where yeah. they're they're being pulled away from the system they're being pulled away from the money and all the stuff and their retreat is not a continuing ed course the retreat is not uh hey this is a new surgery that's coming out or hey this is a new medicine or hey this is a new you know technique or whatever it's a retreat to pull back and get grounded in your your life mission, your vision, who you are as a person, who you desire to be, and how you want to impact people. I think if companies within the healthcare system, but really just the world in general, did that, <laughs> could you imagine the world we would live in if yeah. people were intentional like that? Like right. that that would be my vote. That would be my vote.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, and you're you're so right. I. Not as, as as of recent, but a few years ago, I used to go to orthopedic grand rounds with the surgeons to see what's new, what's coming out, what's being debated. I won't go too much into detail, but what they're debating in these conferences
0: mm-hmm.
1: absolutely blows my mind, and not not in a great way, right. not in a placebo way, more than a placebo way. You're like, what the
0: heck? Because I'm
1: like, <laughs> we may we may have a debate of a barbell versus a dumbbell or a front squat versus a back squat and how it's working a pull up versus chin up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we may have those debates. These surgeons are debating on if a screw should be put back into the clavicle or if it should be left alone. And then the debates on the screw. I'm like, well, what's best for that person?
0: Yeah. What about the human? What
1: about the human? Like no one's talking about this. And then it's the newer <laughs> generational, generational surgeon surgeons arguing the, old generational surgeons and they're arguing about the procedure, which again, like incredible amount of respect for surgeons, the time that they put into it, we need them in this world. They are a gift and what they do is absolutely incredible. And these surgeries, they do need to be debated. Another example I can give here to help demonstrate this point a little further is is a surgeon I know did a meniscal surgery and the guy was back playing golf within two weeks. Mm. So the surgeon commented on, oh look my surgery was so great that this person's back playing golf in two weeks like well pause and ask yourself did this person need the surgery to begin with if they're back playing golf within two weeks or did they needed to have a person that cared for them Mm -hmm. that they trusted that gave them this thing that created because there's a good amount of data on placebo meniscal surgeries now yeah and i would argue this guy didn't need the surgery to begin with yeah and if not just surgeons, but just as an example that came up, because this is in every domain of health and wellness. Yeah. But if we had those courses of hey, how do we treat the person as a human being? Because what does health mean? Health means to make whole. Mm-hmm. And, and then care is obviously caring to make the person become whole. Like that is our role, that is our mission as healthcare providers, is providing the solutions to make this person become whole, not splitting them up into parts and putting new parts in, and only worrying about the part. We need to get back to the whole. Mm-hmm. But I think to get to the whole, we have to change the driver of what's fueling this
2: entire
0: thing. Yeah, mm. We hope for change. <laughs> hope for change. We hope for change. And, and that's why we do what we do, mm-hmm. right? We desire that people can grow. We desire, like, I don't know, our mission, empowering hope to those plagued by no. Nope. It's it's not, It it is a lot for people like me who are coming into the, the providers, right? But like, providers are being fed nope too. Oh,
2: so much like, nope.
0: So much nope. And and so we want to empower them with hope too. And so, Julia, I thank you for this question because we do wish that the healthcare system will change and we hope that we are able to be a catalyst for that and both, both the receiving end and the people who are providing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, in, in an example on the other side of this, there's a shoulder surgeon who stated that when a person comes in and, and right so there's data showing that you may not need that partial rotator cuff repair you definitely don't need a decompression surgery whether the label needs to be repaired or not you know what type of tear is it but anyway he goes you know what no I'm not going to do an image I'm not going to offer a surgery I'm going to have you go do physical therapy have you go do rehab go do that for two months they come back here's they come back in two months and I go yeah you know let's give it another two months he goes, and by the time we get to about half a year, definitely at a year, the person has the results that they would have if they had the surgery. And mm-hmm. in, in most cases, you know, granted that it's like more of the things I mentioned before, not like a full t- rotator cuff repair, sure. like along those lines. But yeah, when it's those types of things and he finds out by the time that they get back, they're happy and never needed the surgery. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a,
0: that's awesome! what an
1: outlier. To go, I'm not going to do an image that will bring us back five, ten thousand dollars. I'm not going to offer this surgery that that I could do and that I'm very skilled in doing. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm going to do this thing because this is what the research is showing us to do.
2: Yeah,
1: like this is a provider that is out there truly caring mm-hmm. for it. It's, it takes incredible courage. I don't know what blowback he's getting mm-hmm. from the system that he works within right. for, for doing that, but. Here is an individual that is out there truly caring for people by giving them the best available options mm-hmm. and then being there for them if, if a surgery is needed and being incredibly skilled in, in what he does if that time does come, but making sure that people are being led to what the research is saying. He's leading them towards hope. Yeah. He's not giving them the nope up front yes. and then trying to throw off the piles to get to hope. He's giving them hope up front. Yeah. And that... That's what we need. But it takes a special person yeah, to do that.
0: I love it. Mm-hmm. So Julia, thank you for your question. Um, Thomas and Sydney, thank you also for your questions because this podcast runs on questions and we love sharing our hope stories. We <laughs> love the hope stories today um, and we would share 500 hope stories if we could. But our, our purpose for this is to answer your questions, give you perspective on all of these different things, whether it be emotional health or physical health or health care. And so we're thankful to be able to um, answer your questions. So if you're a listener and you have a question, head over to hopenotnope.org and submit them because we want want to answer your question. We want to be intentional with you specifically who is listening. And so we thank you so much. And um, we also ask that you share this podcast with other people. You rate it, review, all of it helps us not only to get this message out there, but all of it really helps to slowly change the healthcare system and to empower hope to those plagued by nope. <laughs> yeah, and
1: to get back to health of of being whole. Yeah. Again. And and that's that's what we want. We want you to feel whole. We want you to be whole. We want you to be the best version of yourself as many times as you can. Yeah. Every day that you wake up. So we'll we'll get there. We'll, yeah, we'll get we there. One step at a time, one share at a time, <laughs> one subscribe at a time, one question at a time. It's a process. Again, in the previous one, we said there's levels to this thing. There's levels to this thing. We're -hmm. we're just scratching the surface of there. So keep those questions coming in. Thomas, Sydney, Julia, thank you for, Mm -hmm. for those questions. Have a great week. And remember, every day is not just a day to be hopeful. It's an opportunity to become hope.
0: The Hope Not Note podcast is meant for educational, informational, and personal development purposes only and does not constitute any health or medical advice. If you're looking for specific advice, connect with us to work with a Hope Coach. The Hope Not Know podcast shall not be liable or responsible for any loss or damage allegedly arising from any information or suggestions in this podcast.